Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there! How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of people get together and talk about the games that we've played recently. And on this episode are Dice and Dragons, The Meeple Dungeon, Friday Night Games, definitely a board game podcast, The Tabletop Bellhop, Mozart Games, Cardboard Conjecture. Remember to check out the show notes for the links to the What You Been Playing Wednesday cast. Sit back and enjoy. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is this, Jason? It's what you've been playing Wednesdays. So what have we been playing? We've been playing uh, Descent. Legends of the Dark. So you heard us talk about it, uh, well, our first experience with the game. We'll get into... Uh, some more detail about that. And then we also played uh, Cosmic Voyage by Savannah Games, designed by Andy Copsey, which is currently on Kickstarter. This was a Kickstarter preview that we have. Uh, the version that we played is an earlier prototype uh, of the game, so they've made some refinements. And uh, we're supposed to be potentially getting a new one after the campaign, and we'll talk about that one first since it's the new content. So in Cosmic Voyage, which is a game for one to four players, you will be taking on the roles of different crew members on a ship that has been stranded in deep space. You're going to be rolling two dice and trying to complete missions in order to advance your ship back to you know, your home. Not quite sure exactly where, but uh, on the way you have to avoid hazards and events like black holes and solar flares in order to get back in one piece. So what did you think of Cosmic Voyage, Julie? Well, I mean, I had I had fun with it. I just found uh, it got it got a little long. Um, you know, it's a forty five minute dice chucking game, um, and at least at two players, I, I kind of felt like at at some point uh, with the stuff that was coming up, it just felt like I was saying, "Yeah, okay, who cares?" A little bit. Well, there was a, there was a quite a few points. I'd say after about the halfway point of the game, it depends on the cards that are coming up. But if you're not really picking missions to advance the game or to complete some type of objective for you of either healing the ship or healing yourself, healing another player, you're literally just trying not... You have to pick a mission as part of the mechanics. You're trying not to fail just because you don't want to suffer the penalty. So it just... It didn't feel very fun at the length that it was. I felt that it, this is very much a 20 to 30 minute game instead of the 45 minute game to an hour. Now on the Kickstarter, they've added some new roles. They've changed a few things around. And there's also the shorter version of the game. And I, I think we'd have a lot more fun just playing that version of it. I, I agree. 
The, the theming was fine. It felt a little like Star Trek. It's easy to play. You're rolling two dice, seeing the results. So it definitely has a place in someone's collection as a, a starting game. But if you're going for the hour experience, I think there's definitely a chance that you will not have as much fun as you're hoping. Yeah. So the other game that hit the table for us this week is the set Legends of the Dark. Oh, say who it's by. I mean, it should be obvious it's Descent. If you are into board games, it is published by Fantasy Flight Games and designed by Carrick and Del Dunk and Nathan Hadgett. Now, we'd only gone through the tutorial when we talked about this. Now we are two more missions in, and we've also got to do a bunch of stuff in town and see a ton of story. I'll let Julie take it away since I ran the show on Cosmic Voyage. What's going on with this game? What are you liking? Well, I'm really liking uh, the app. Uh, I really feel... Uh, like the app really brings another dimension to the game. I was worried that uh, too much of the game would be on the app, uh, but there's this game has so much table presence with you know the 3D terrain uh, and actually having to like it. The it's not just for show. We're actually using it. We're falling off of stuff. Uh, stuff is collapsing. Uh, we're opening things. So uh, and the app really makes combat. Uh, a lot more fun, I find at least. I mean, you're still rolling your dice, uh, but because the app knows which um, which weapon you're using and who's using it, uh, and it applies uh, the, the different upgrades that you've put on your weapons and applies them to the weaknesses or afflictions that each of the uh, bad guys may have, the villains may have, then it, it just, you know, basically... Uh, calculates odds on for some things that, you know, like in one weapon I have 50% of the time it'll hit. Uh, so it does that. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I like that I'm not, honestly, I'm, I like that I'm not having to roll another dice for that, that it's applying it, you know, in a percentage time, but I'm still getting to roll my dice for my successes. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun and I think it's a great support to the game. It makes it uh, move well, uh, I like the interaction that you get to do with some 3D terrain uh, using the app, you know, so based on which character it is, it might have a different, I, I think we've seen has a different response to different terrain. Uh, so I thought that, that that was really cool and I'm having a lot of fun. I'm going to let Jason take over for the last little while, but I'm going to say that the only drawback that's been so far for me is not the game's fault. It's been, it's where we are in our life. These quests are, at least the ones we've been playing, have been just under the three hour mark. They've taken us, you know, two hours, 45 minutes approximately to play. Um, and the fact that we've got the little guy, um, we don't really have three hour chunks in our days to play games uh, right now. So that's been a little bit tough. Um, so Jason, you know, Take it away. What would you add? Well, the, the app does a ton of heavy lifting, and it really focuses on adapting some of the best parts of RPG video games into the tabletop. Because you definitely can't have a percentile die to roll to hit, and anyone that's played Dungeons and Dragons will know about rolling for certain uh, effects and trying to get them to go off. But the app makes it a lot easier and just adds a lot more variety as to what you can do. Because of that level of simplification, you can have something that works 10% of the time, 30% of the time, 40% of the time. And it's just a lot easier because everything's being taken care of. Also, the, the introduction of crafting into the game is very cool. Uh, we Agreed. have seen crafting... Uh, Previously in uh, other games uh, such as uh, 
Folklore the Affliction. But one of the biggest struggles on Folklore was actually getting the materials because the sense using an app, it just provides the materials in abundance so that you're able to upgrade and tweak your weapons. We actually have some fairly powerful weapons and we haven't even bought anything new. We just upgraded what we started with. Now, the other thing that the game does very differently is you do have the new feat system, and that's how you unlock different skills, uh, different recipes to get some cool class-specific or character-specific items. And I just think that's something that's needed. It almost takes like that achievement system and trophy system from PlayStation and Xbox, but makes it a neat feature of the game. And we've got... Now, they're not all made equal, so that might be something that becomes a criticism more later on. We've got two characters that are definitely getting a lot more of their feats done than everyone else. We uh, we just, you know, we are in the middle of uh, recording a very in-depth uh, review of this that'll be out uh, probably the day after this. Yep, the day after this. And we've gone a little bit over our time there, so let's uh, wrap this up. And we will remind everyone to, that we do like this game, so make sure to check out that review. A little bit of a spoiler there. Well, that's the advantage of watching what you've been playing Wednesdays. And don't forget to keep, keep playing, playing games. Hello, everybody. It's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And this week we have two games to talk about. What's the first one we're going to talk about, Anna-Marie? The first one we're going to talk about is The Game Face to Face, by designed by Stefan Bendorf and Reinhard Stope and uh, published by Pandasaurus Games. Yes, The Game Face to Face. So this is the one that everyone's been playing except for us. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went out and bought it and... We had always liked the original. Love the game. Uh, the game, which was the co-op uh, version of this game. You know, it's always fun uh, trying to tell people uh, what game you're playing. I know. And it's like, I yeah, know. I'm playing this game, the game. Like, <laughs> which game? The game. Oh, no, that's the name. The game. I know. It's so fun. weird. <laughs> Strange uh, name choice but for also, sure. Again, but also, again, funny that it's never been done before. No, when no, you think right. about it, no. they they own it now. So, yeah, um, but yeah, face to face is a quite a different spin on the original version of the game, and where you are one on one, two player game, head to head. Uh, same same thing going on with the stacks of numbers, and you're either going in ascending or descending piles. Going to sixty this time 60 instead of hundred. Yeah, yeah. So you each have your own pile uh, of sixty cards. Yep. And you're going from, you have two piles each, and you're either placing, you have to place two cards every round. Now, one pile each, but you have, you have, no, have like. two piles each. Well, yeah, I, guess, I guess you have your, your draw pile, like one draw pile, but then you have two stacks. Yeah, two stacks that you're making. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you're playing from your hand of cards, numbers either going up in one pile or down in the other. Yeah. And, but the cool thing with this game is playing on each other's piles. Yeah. So you are Ugh. forced in this game to have to help out your opponent from time to time or you will lose because if, if at any point in the game you can't play cannot a card. play a card, you lose. And not just play if you can't play a card. If you can't play at least one card on your pile, like you have to play two cards, yeah. which is different in, in one aspect from the original. But yeah, you have to play at least one card on your pile, but you have to play two cards yes. if you have two in your hand. So... You yeah. are trying to play two on your own, but if you can't, you can always place one on your opponent's pile, but it gives them 
because it has to be a card that improves their yes. their board state. So then it, it gives yeah. them more wiggle room. Yeah. So if they're, you know, creeping up in their their pile of one to sixty, and they're at forty, you know, forty out of sixty, you could throw down a sixteen, and it brings them all the way back down to sixteen, and they can start working their way up again. So Which that is helps painful. Out a lot. It is painful, but, but it's you essential. know they're going to be doing the same thing to you if they want to survive. Yeah. <laughs> so. In our first game, I was like, "There's no way I am going to help you." Like, I'm just not going to do it, right? And I'm just, like, trying everything I can to, to figure out a way to, to not help you. But then I realized you have to. Like, you, you do. You have, have to. to. And it's, uh, but it's so much fun. And it's, I, I like that you're going down, you're going up and down constantly. So mm. it's, it kind of takes part of the stress out of it, too. Whereas in the, the original one, you're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting so close. Yeah. And there are more there's people. There's no saving grace, right? In this one, at least you know yeah. there's probably going to be a yeah. card play that'll help you out. So you can be a little more aggressive in some of your piles yeah. where you know that well i can go up you know pretty high knowing that likely i gotta come down, down a little bit else to, to yeah. chop it down a bit do you like this one more than the original one? Oh, I that's I know, <laughs> I know you do i find it hard to say i've always liked the game i feel more than you you have yeah i've always been the mind yeah uh, you've, player. you've always been and yeah. i love the mind too but i've always loved the game i I want to say I think I like it equal. I yeah. like this aspect where um, it's two people and you've got and the decks get to come down more than just that one way than the multiples of ten. If you were going to play with just two players, would you prefer this one, or would you? I think so, because I think if I'm going to play two players, this is designed for it. Yeah, I and think, it's I think more so. of a duel. And then whereas the mind is a a tough cooperative game, but. The, uh, no, I mean this versus the other game. I know. That's oh, what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like, if I had to play the game as a two-player, I think I'd prefer to play this one, yeah. the face-to-face, as yeah. a two-player yeah. um, for, a like, a one-on-one. Whereas yeah. if I was going to go for a co-op game, instead of going the game, I'd go with the mind. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd pick the mind over the original But if game. I was going with more people, I like them both, the game yeah. and the mind. But as a two-player, face-to-face is fantastic. It's so much fun. Yeah, I love we've it. we played a bunch of games of it, and... I'm not very good at it, but it's always been pretty close. Yeah. So These ones have all ended closely, which is nice. Yeah, I felt pretty good about yeah. it. So um, the uh, other game we're going to talk about is... Uh, is Oath. Uh, Chronicles of Empire and Exile, uh, designed by Cole Whirl. Art Cole by- Whirly. Whirly. It's okay, I'm getting to the next <laughs> I, I one. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Cole Whirly. <laughs> Art by Kyle Farron, and this is the other one. I've heard it pronounced... Letter, leader, maybe it's French and Lede, but leader games. <laughs> we'll go sure with that leader. one. <laughs> Pretty sure it's leader games. But yes, it's Oath. Um, another game that we're kind of late to the party on. Um, and I didn't get to play this game until today, the, the day that we're recording. I have yet to play this game. There. I have Mondays off, so I was able to go hang out with uh, Aaron and Quinton, the Boards Alive guys, and uh, play this game with them. And it was quite the adventure, this game. It is a heavy game. It is like when you think of uh, root, it's kind of like root, but well, not kind of like root, but it, you know the heaviness of, of root and the and the uh, upfront rules that you have to understand. It's very rule heavy. It's very uh, a tall climb up the hill to begin with. But by the end of the game, I had a handle on it. It was really, really good. Um, you but look it's at the difficult. art and you think fort, and then you look at the, you like play the game <laughs> yeah. and you think like roots on steroids. Root on it steroids. It is. Yeah, uh, it's it's quite a bit more difficult than root. And uh, what it is, just quickly, is um, one player plays as uh, the what was it? Not the ruler. Doesn't matter. Like the king, basically. And uh, you. 
Counselor. No, not the counselor. The counselor. Oh, no. never mind. <laughs> One of you is kind of the ruler, and the, all the other players are trying to basically usurp the ruler. And unlike uh, Root, all of the players don't have asymmetrical powers. But you do end up finding all these visions in the game that lead to kind of your own way to victory. And that's kind of your only way you're going to do it. And I came pretty close, surprisingly. I came close to winning this, and Quinton actually ended up winning our game and by stumbling into a, a victory, uh, stealing it out from underneath uh, Aaron. So, yeah, I, I have a lot more to play of this uh, to be able to talk much more about it because I only really started to understand it by the last half an hour or so <laughs> of what I was actually doing. But, yeah, super cool. I'm going to play it a lot more here. But you're liking it so far. Yeah, I love it. I love it so far, That's but good. it is steep. It's a steep learning curve. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to more plays of it. It's it's a long game, and, and every game you play affects the, the game after it. So excited That's to see how that aspect. works. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's a big one. Oath from Leader Games. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you'll be hearing more about it from us as we go along. But we got to run, so we will see you next week. Cheers. Check out our podcast. Oh, yeah, check out the podcast. <laughs> we got two episodes. Meeple Dungeon Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> see ya. Hey everyone, Matt here, and John is missing. So we're both Friday Night Games, and you can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, and on our website at FridayNight.Games. Since John's gone, I could talk about a game that I've been playing for months and months, and it is highly addictive, has a lot of sets, uh, costs a lot of money, it can be expensive, and that is Magic the Gathering. It was created in 1992 by Richard Garfield and released in 1993 at Gen Con. And it is published by Wizards of the Coast. So other than a highly addictive game with millions and millions of cards that, you know, there's a collecting aspect to it. Magic is simply a card game where players generally have a deck of cards, normally 60, which makes them a planeswalker. Your deck is made up of lands and spells. Lands are used to pay the costs of your spells. Spells can be creatures or permanents that stay in play to attack your opponent. Spells can also do things like draw cards, do damage, stop spells, make John disappear. And the goal of the game is to bring your opponent's life down from 20 to zero. There are other win conditions, but I don't want to overcomplicate this. Um, and Magic also consists of a lot of ways to play because it's been around for almost 30 years. Uh, they have Standard, which is the last two years. Uh, Historic, which is just for Magic Arena. Uh, Popper, which is uh, you're playing all common and uncommon cards. There's Commander, Modern, Legacy, Vintage, Draft. Uh, there's basically a billion ways to play it. And pff, there's a billion ways for you to spend your money. <laughs> so... Um, what I love about it, well, it's a complex game. Uh, it lets me do, it lets me take a card and imagine ways to use it, which I love. It has tons of rules, which I also love uh, because I love rules. I'm the rules master of our group. Uh, and you get to explore fun cards. Sometimes they release sets uh, based on fun themes like Dungeons and Dragons most, more recently, and you get to play around with cards like that. What I hate about it, I hate... I'm going to say this was strong. You can't see me pointing, but I'm pointing. I hate how expensive it is. Uh, it can be time-consuming, especially when you're exploring the cards. It's almost like reading uh, rule after rule to see what you could kind of do. Uh, when you lose, it sucks. You just want to, like, flip a table. So that's no fun. 
and uh, it, there's like this like thing called land. So when you shuffle your deck, your your resources to play cards is shuffled in with it. So you could you could end up with like one card in your hand that helps you play cards when you might need like three lands or four lands, and you could literally play like five rounds without getting your lands. You just be angry. Although they they over the years they've figured out ways to kind of get you more and more resources to play your cards easier. Um, and how do we play it wrong? Well, it is very easy to play it wrong because every card is its own game piece and it has its own set of rules. So imagine <laughs> a typical Magic deck will have like nine sets of four cards in it uh, that all have different rules and that could get very complicated. Um, also, there's a sideboard, which uh, if you play competitive Magic, you're going to have a sideboard, which lets you change your deck in a, in a best of three game setting. Um, and that can have all sorts of different cards in it. So you could literally make a whole new deck with those sideboard cards. All right. Do I recommend you go in and play it? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Uh, thank you, John, for not being here so I could talk about this. Uh, just so you know, we are, our podcast this week and next week is actually on Magic the Gathering. So if you want to learn more, uh, specifically how to get into it or the cheaper ways to get into it or what's fun about it or hear us talk about all sorts of different uh terms <laughs> then uh check that out well we also have the news for between the next for the next year of magic so you can hear about the new sets coming out and themes and maybe i'll see you online on arena thanks everyone don't forget to check us out at friday night games underscore official on instagram friday night gms on twitter and on our website at friday night dot games see everyone <laughs>
llama meeples up on the hill and different levels to meet different missions. And the missions are things like have so many llamas that you want to feed corn to, so many you want to feed potatoes to, uh, have three llamas on level three of your uh, hill by the time you're done, have 11 spaces between two llamas so that if you count between them, it goes all the way to 11 spaces, which is surprisingly difficult to do. And every time you build, you have to make a decision. Do you extend your footprint, which will help you later on, or do you build up? If you build up, you get more resources. If you extend your footprint, you get to put tokens out to do uh, end of game scoring goals. So you claim goal points assuming you can complete them by the end of the game. Really neat. Really enjoy this one. It is fairly light. Uh, it's They call it a family game. It's actually family game written all over the box. So this is part of Lookout Spiel's new family game. Uh, I don't know about the family game part, to be honest with you. It, it, it That putting out the tiles is a little bit tricky, and it takes a little bit of... Uh, three-dimensional polyomino thinking, which not everyone has, Aaron. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much, Royce. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. But, but the actual game itself is fairly simple. So once you understand what you're doing, it's quite easy. But I like it. I like it a lot. It's fast. It only took maybe I'd less, I would guess, somewhere around 30 minutes to play. Really enjoyed it. And as it says on the box, it's llama-tastic. Very good. Well, I'm going to ask the one and only question I'm sure a lot of our listeners want to know. Are any of the llamas named Tina? Why would our our listeners want to know if the llama is named Tina? Have you ever watched Napoleon Dynamite? I watched, uh, I would guess, 20 minutes of Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> before I just fell asleep. It was so boring. <laughs> it might be the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. It's your food. <laughs> I love that movie. Well, yeah. it sounds awesome. Um, and like you said, Llama Meeples, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, my game is about butterflies, not llamas. Okay. You're not going to believe this, Royce. Well, actually, you are going to believe it because you've heard it a million times now. But I found a copy of Mariposes by Elizabeth Hargrave, AEG 2020, in a Goodwill in Port Colburn. For eight dollars, Canadian, Canadian, so like, you know, yeah, nothing U.S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just took it, walked it out. Eight dollars, and it was complete. And I gotta say, and I, I'm probably gonna take a little bit of heat for this. I like it way, way more than Wingspan. Really? Yeah, really enjoyed it. And it was funny because because of Wingspan, I had had Mariposa in my hand about a thousand times, and and kept putting it down, picking it up, putting it down. And I was like, $8? Okay, I'm definitely going to take it. And I wish I had grabbed it before. Well, no, since I paid $8, I'm glad I grabbed it when I did. But great game. <laughs> and I like a better wingspan. Very simple. Migrate your butterflies across the continent. Collect flowers and breed to score points. Return home. My wife and I played this game, and we were very good at migrating across the continent and collecting flowers and breeding to score points. Uh, the returning home part, not so much, <laughs> but uh, it didn't seem to matter. We still got we still got lots of points, and I think it was literally a one or two point difference between us. But we really enjoyed it. Uh, a thinky game, but not overly thinky. Looks amazing. Uh, it's so cool to see Toronto, the name Toronto, on the board. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, really just a really cool game and uh, definitely recommend it, especially if you can find a copy for $8. <laughs> I feel like you're really rubbing in this $8. <laughs> ah, I got it for $8. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. funny because it was amongst a whole bunch of copies of like, you know, Harry Potter, Seen It and Taboo and Trivial Pursuit. And there it was in all its glory. I'm like, that can't be right. And sure enough, it was punched have, for me too. I have never had that kind of luck at thrift stores. I got to say, that's pretty impressive. That one might have been the only time I was that lucky. But anyway, yeah, definitely recommend it. And if you liked Wingspan, uh, try it anyway. Because <laughs> it's two very different games in my opinion. So if you want to hear more from the two of us, you got to check us out. Definitely a board game podcast. We are all over everywhere. Everywhere podcasts lives, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You can find us there. If you ever want to talk to us, definitely board at gmail.com. And uh, we have a guild on Board Game Geek, yep. definitely Board Game Podcast. You can find us there. But again, the best way to check us out is on podcasts, wherever they live. Just and listen to our podcast. That's yeah. the best way. Anything else you want to say, Rice? Listen to our podcast. <laughs> say goodbye, Rice. <laughs> goodbye, Royce. Bye, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzno, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. You can find me at tabletopbellhop.com and all over the internet as Tabletop Bellhop One Word. Now we are here to answer your gaming and game night questions, so if you've got a question for me, you can send that to questions at tabletopbellhop.com or visit the webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop. Now, of course, the question I'm answering today is, what you've been playing this past week? So the big thing that happened since I was last here was that I hosted the inaugural SeanCon. My podcast co-host was down for the weekend, and we ended up playing so many different games in such a short period of time that someone on my social media feed assumed we must be at a con because all the games we were sharing online. I thought that sentiment fit pretty well, so we decided to dub the entire weekend the inaugural Sean Con, and I've already made plans to repeat this awesome event multiple times a year, with the next one hopefully being Sean Con Fall. Now what I want to do tonight is highlight all of the games we played at Sean Con, starting with Patchwork. While Sean had played this digitally, he had never played it in person. We played two rounds and both had a good time, though I'm still pretty terrible at this game, barely getting a positive score in my second game. Now Sean did dig it, and what the big thing is here is that now that Sean knows how to play, we can now play it on Board Game Arena a little more regularly in the coming months. Next up, I got Stratos Light in the Darkness off my pile of shame. This is an independently published Canadian game out of Hamilton, Ontario that is quite the heartbreaker. It's obviously someone's passion project and something their personal gaming group enjoys and they take a lot of pride in. It's advertised as a mashup of Settlers of Catan and Dungeons and Dragons. All I'll say about it here is that it definitely wasn't the best game we played all weekend. Now, Tapestry, five players was next, and this could have been the best game we played all weekend. Now, this was Sean's first time playing in person. We had tried once before using Tabletopia, and that didn't go well. But it was all because of Tabletopia, not because of the game. Uh, this game of Tapestry was fantastic. A uh, five-player game ended up being pretty close in the end. 
And I'm happy to say Sean did really enjoy it. And it's now on his list of, of games to play again the next time he's down in Windsor. Next, I have another game Sean had only played digitally, though this time on Tabletop Simulator. That is the Adventuria Adventure card game, which is actually really well done on Tabletop Simulator, but nothing beats playing a game in person. Now, three of the group of five of us that were going to sit down to play this were new to the game, so I actually first ran the Master Tailor's Poltergeist demo kit for them. And then we played through the second short scenario in Forest of No Return, which is the first official Adventuria expansion. I have now completely sold Sean and our friends Tori and Kat on this excellent fantasy game with all of them asking to play it again sometime soon. Now after these somewhat heavier games, I guess I'd call them, we swapped up to Dude, which was dumb, silly fun. But not at all what I expected. Somehow I had it in my head that this is a word guessing game where you can only use the word dude and other people are trying to see what you're talking about when you're saying dude. That's not it at all, though I still think that's a good, you know, theory for a game. What it's actually more like is games like Happy Salmon, where you're trying to match up with another player saying dude the same way you are. Now that was followed up by more dude. And by that, I don't mean we just played dude again. Well, we kind of did. What, well, what I did was I broke up out the only expansion for dude, which was called More Dude. And this one's just dumb. I like it, it has you saying dude as specific character archetypes like ghost and robot. And we're just way too easy. Anyone who went dude, you knew was the ghost. I, I honestly can't recommend this game at all as a standalone game. Like, don't even bother with more dude. Though I, some of the players thought it might be fun to mix in with the original dude. But to be honest, after playing multiple rounds of dude, then more dude, I've actually put that in my donation pile. Now, we finished off the first night of SeanCon with a couple rounds of Codenames Duet with five players. Again, I point out that this is cooperative codenames, not two-player codenames despite the name. Again, Sean's first time playing this game, and he loved it just as he should. We advocate for Codenames Duet all the time. Now, the second day of SeanCon was Card Day. Every single game we played were card games, mostly deck-building games, starting with a new-to-me game, Draconis Invasion. Now, this came off the pile of obligation, and it's a fantasy deck builder with some obvious Dominion roots, but some interesting new mechanics, like a terror-based timer that uses cards that fill your deck, and defenders that you have to pay for uh, to use them. Like, you had to buy the card to get it in your deck, and then when it comes up, you have to pay to use it again. I thought that was really interesting. It's definitely doing a couple new things here. Now, I'm not going to dive any deeper into Draconis. I did just publish a review of this one over on the blog. So if you are interested in learning more about Draconis Invasion, head over there. Now, while playing Draconis, I did see a lot of direct correlation card for card for Dominion. Some cards have the same exact same abilities with different names. And during that game, I learned that somehow Sean had never played Dominion. Now, I know Sean doesn't have the gaming experience I did, but somehow in all these years, he somehow missed Dominion, and I felt we needed to fix that. So we sat down, we played two games. I just have the first edition of Dominion. We just used the base box set, and we had quite a bit of fun. Like, despite its age, Dominion's still solid. It's a solid game. Though I admit I do prefer more modern deck builders, but it was interesting to kind of go back to the roots for a couple games. Now, more modern deck builders like Tyrants of the Underdark. When I'm talking about modern deck builders, there's one I love. I love Tyrants of the Underdark. It is probably my all-time favorite deck building game. Now, Sean hadn't played this one either. So actually, when we finished Dominion, I was like, hey, you've at least played Tyrants, right? And he's like, no. And I swear he had played it with me at the CG Realm, but he swears he didn't. So fair enough. So I sat down and taught Sean how to play Tyrants of the Underdark, one of my all-time favorite deck builders. Uh, the main thing he noted 
was they really appreciated how well the D&D drow underdark theme was tied to the cards, with things like assassinations and placing spies on the boards and promoting people to your inner sanctum. Now, his only complaint about the game was the fact he was playing against two very experienced players, and he got a little crushed. So I guess we probably should have took it a little easier on him. But at least he could tell the game was solid. Now, the last game of Sean Khan was a round of Unfair, using the Alien B-Movie Dinosaur Western expansion. For this particular three-player game, we used the Alien and B-Movie decks from the expansion, combined with the Robot deck from the core game. Just those sounded like they'd mesh well together, and I'm not sure if they were the best combination. The biggest problem, there weren't a lot of blueprint overlap with these sets, where sometimes you'll get a, a blueprint from one deck that says it needs lots of quality improvements, and while well, you've got another deck with lots of quality improvements in it that kind of overlap, these all seem to go their own way. We did still have a good time. Like, I think these are the least blueprints I saw completed in a game of Unfair Ever, with uh, the best of the three of us only getting two completed. Overall, I still dig it. I like the expansions. There was some cool stuff going on. We're actually going to be reviewing the Unfair expansion on tonight's live show. So if you could join us for that, that'd be awesome. Uh, we go live at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopbellhop. Uh, that's Wednesday night, same day this episode drops. That's it for the games we played this past week. Find lots more of my gaming content at tabletopbellhop.com and on the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which drops Tuesday mornings at 2 a.m. I also welcome you to join us for Sunday Brunch, which hits at 1 p.m. on our Twitch channel on Sunday. This is an unscripted show where Deanna, Sean, and I just hang out and interact with our chat room, talk geekery and gaming. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good night and game on. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Morris from Mozart Games, and I'm absolutely thrilled that Cardboard Conjecture have asked me to join the fun of what you've been playing Wednesday. You can find me on Twitter as SpiderMo, that's Spider with a Y, if you like what you hear, and you want to give me a follow for some board game thoughts, a bit of hockey, and me complaining about random things. This week I want to talk about a game that I recently got to the table, Tournament at Camelot by WizKids Games, and designed by Karen Baginski, Jody Baginski-Barbessi, and Kenneth C. Shannon III. Tournament at Camelot is a trick-taking game for three to six players, but the twist in this game is that you don't actually want to take any of the tricks during a round. I'm pretty lukewarm about trick-taking games at best, but I actually love what this game brings to the table, especially when it's played with five or more players. The game is based on the legends of King Arthur, so players will see characters and artifacts from that storyline, and you might actually be surprised at how many things you recognize from pop culture that actually have their roots in this legend. However, there are no killer bunnies or shrubberies, but I hope they're included in an eventual expansion. Each player will take a role at the start of the game, depicting which character they'll be representing, such as Sir Gawain, Morgan Le Fay, or King Arthur himself. Every character has an ability that players can utilize during the game. Some of these abilities are better than others, but that's somewhat balanced with a companion card that gets unlocked during the game that gives you another special ability. All characters will start with 400 health, and every card that you win in a trick reduces your health at the end of the round. 
Most cards reduce your health by five points, with poison cards doubling that. And there's some special cards that also come into play that'll drop your health much, much more. In typical fashion, one player will lead with a card that has a value and suit printed on it, and players must follow with a card of that suit if they have it. There's also a wild suit included called alchemy that can be played if you can't match the lead suit, and whoever plays the lowest value card from either of those two suits will have to take the cards. However, if two or more players play the same value card, they're both eliminated from contention, meaning you can actually get lucky if an opponent matches your, val your low value card, saving you both from taking damage. Also, if you ever play a card completely off suit because you have nothing that matches, you're shamed and you're gonna take a little bit of damage for doing that too. The player who took the trick will then lead the following hand and play continues until players are all out of cards, at which point damage is then dealt based on the cards that you received. Once one player is reduced to zero health, the game ends and the player with the most health remaining wins. Now there's various character abilities that can change the damage that you receive. Uh, Genevieve, for example, secretly chooses one suit at the start of a round and then reveals it before damage is dealt, and each card that matches that suit deals double damage to all players at the table. Once your health drops below a certain level, your companion card becomes available to you, giving you another special ability. In addition, there are godsend cards that are drafted by the most damaged players each round, giving them even more abilities that they can use to assist themselves or hurt their opponents even more. These all stack together, allowing players to become extremely powerful with the right combos. Now, it's a little chaotic with special abilities firing off every round, but I find that there's still enough strategy in the game that keeps players involved throughout. It can get pretty nasty as leaders get targeted by those players who are more hurt, and momentum can swing like crazy. I had a hand in one game that was full of amazing cards one round, and I was feeling pretty confident, until someone used an ability that had everyone return their cards, and a new hand was dealt to everyone. Of course, they played that after they used the only two good cards in their hand, and then I had a hand of garbage returned to me, resulting in loss after loss that round, dropping my health dramatically. Now, it hurt at the time, but I laughed it off pretty quickly. And in another game, I was Morgan Le Fay, who has to double all damage taken during a round. In our first round, I think I took about three quarters of my health just in one shot, dropping me out of the running immediately. However, that did allow me to unlock my companion card, which prevented that double damage ability from triggering anymore. And it also started giving me multiple godsend cards on subsequent rounds. At one point, I had a dragon the Holy Grail, a flaming sword, and some divine intervention that resulted in me staying in the game for a long time, and I eventually knocked out the current leader with a devastating combo. Now, I didn't win the game, but I felt that I played really well and was heavily invested throughout. The artwork on the character and the godsend cards is really well done with a medieval flair to its look that pulls players into the game. The various suits are clearly readable with more simple artwork that makes it easy to see what's being played from across a larger table. All of the cards are tarot-sized, which I think works really well with this style of game, allowing players to see what's on the table very clearly and giving a little bit more space for the text of special abilities for the cards that do have them. 
There's also a standalone expansion for the game that was released last year, called Tournament at Avalon, which adds even more character cards, godsend cards, and locations to the game. You can play them each on their own, or you can combine them all into one. Tournament at Avalon also provides a few variants that allows players to pass cards to one of their neighbors before a round starts, like some other trick-taking games have done before. Now overall, I think Tournament at Camelot is a fantastic trick-taking game, with some chaos, a little bit of round randomness, and some wild swings of luck. But with a group of players who are looking for some fun during a game night, it is highly enjoyable. Just keep your head down and don't be afraid to take a, two tri a few tricks along the way. Being first paints a target on your back by those with a few ability cards in front of them. So sometimes it's better to sit back, take a few hits early on, instead of trying to win everything and eventually becoming that Black Knight who's just trying to bite people's legs off. I'm Chris Morris, and thank you for listening to my thoughts about Tournament at Camelot by WizKids Games. If you liked what you heard from me and want to hear or see more, I can be found on Twitter as SpiderMo. Thanks again for listening, and may all your dice rolls be critical successes. Hey everybody, this is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, what have I been playing this Wednesday? Well, let me tell you. Uh, I've put to the table, I'm going to quickly talk about two games. And uh, one of them, controversial, very controversial, because uh, it is my preference over terraforming Mars when it comes to, to city building, tableau building, uh, card engine manipulation worker placement kind of thing and this is underwater cities by vladimir suhi i hope i said that properly published by delicious games and um yeah like i said this is this is engine building glory this is uh card tableau building uh synergy the uh, the thing I love most about this game is the way that you make this connection between your worker placement and the card selection. Because on your turn, you have three submarines that have to dock to three different areas on the board, which provide you three different levels of, let's say, resources or rewards or events or purchases, right? And uh, the as always... The lower level, right, has, you know, small rewards. But if you match, in this case, it's the green level. If you match putting your, your submarine worker on the green area and you put down a green colored card, then you get to activate the card, which is awesome. And um, if you can efficiently coordinate the, the, the cards with the submarine worker docking placements, um, then you have this ability to, to get this system going and humming properly. And there is, uh, as, as far as solo goes, because that's what I've been playing a lot with this, there is uh, so much to explore with this, uh, to the point where uh, today I got the, the, in the mail the expansion. And what I didn't realize that I believe Ryan told me just the other day 
is uh, in the expansion, the, the player boards are double cardboard recessed pockets so you can put the things on so that it doesn't slide like Terraforming Mars with the upgraded boards. So the, uh, yeah, yeah, I much prefer this game over, over Terraforming Mars, um, hands down, hands down, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll take the heat, <laughs> you know, because I'm underwater, it's easy. <laughs> Sorry, moving on. Uh, I'm, I've had, I, I love my, I love me some D and D, right. And, uh, I went out and, uh, committed to, uh, destinies by, uh, Lucky Duck Games and they're famous for, well, currently, uh, uh, popular for Chronicles of Crime, where they use the QR code system to generate uh, connectivity with the material world and the app world, and I think they did a they did a really good job in the Chronicles of Crime series. And so far, I'm about hmm. Let's see how many plays. I'm about six plays in, and I'm using because it's solo play. I'm using the Challenger mode, which is you don't succeed, you don't move on, right? And uh, that gives me the ability to. You know, some games it's more of I don't mind not succeeding just to explore what the what this scene has to offer in regards to the programming of the content. Now, in this case, you're not you're not being a detective. In this case, all the cards are items, uh, uh, weapons, um, you know, that kind of that kind of uh, uh, accessories to the dungeon crawl kind of scenario. You've got some gorgeous minis, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, well done, well done. And uh, now it it's very connected to um, Descent, second edition, Lord of the Rings, Journey's Middle Earth, I believe. Uh, Fantasy Flight has that same idea in their version. They don't use QR codes, but they use their own, their own uh, app-driven system. Now, if you, if you have qualms about having technology enter your analog uh, game experience, then, yeah, you know, you're not gonna, it's okay not to play this. But if you kind of like that idea of, of having somebody or having something assist you on moving this along, then give it a try, right? There's a, now, here's the difference between the two games that I mentioned from Fantasy Flight and this game by Lucky Duck Games is that the price point is way more appealing for Destinies uh, as compared to those other two products. I mean, half the cost, a third the cost. I mean, if you're looking at the new Descent, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's the insert is more than the Destinies bo- uh, the game here. So yeah, I would re- totally recommend that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm looking at the... Uh, clock on the wall here and it looks like we got some time to go to the bridge city board gamers facebook community now you don't have to live in saskatoon to be part of this community you could just go on over and uh ask to be a member and uh yeah welcome welcome and uh so we have this thread on our facebook community called what you've been playing wednesday which inspired this this podcast series and uh, let's go take a look to see what the community has been playing. And right away, uh, um, I see Ryan F. 
not the Ryan from the conjecture. He's late, he's later on in the list. I see. It's a different Ryan. So Ryan says he played lots and lots of Settlers of Catan. Need practice for the upcoming online tourney. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Win, and then we can uh, we can celebrate your success. Absolutely. Lane. Lane is a is a regular contributor to this thread. Thank you, Lane. Uh, constructionary. It's like Pictionary with Legos. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. All right. Uh, Zombie Kids. Absolutely. Well done, Scorpio Masque. And Survive. Yes, if I think it's like Survive, that series of games. Um, that, <laughs> that's uh, and, and Lane, I think Lane uh, often plays with his kids. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Dad's the first one off the raft. Okay, moving on. Hands. Praga Kaput Regni. Um, yeah, ah, I have that game on my shelf. I haven't played it yet. I'm so sorry. Moving on. 20th Century. Trails of Tucana. Terraforming Mars. Uh, Coffee Traders. And Tiny Towns. So the regular, there's a regular group in the, in the Bridge City Board Gamers community here who play Terraforming Mars and... I hope I didn't ruffle any feathers with my underwater cities comment there. So, so there you go. Uh, Coffee Traders. I want to give that one a try. That one sounds like a awesome, heavy, dark roast game. And Tiny Towns. That's a brain cruncher and a half. I told you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Moving down the list. Ryan from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers in Saskatoon. He says that they played lots of Juicy Fruit and Ashes Reborn. Well, he's, well, yeah, Ashes Reborn. He has a regular Wednesday game with Rob from the Meeple Dungeon on our Twitch channel, and I believe it gets pushed out to our YouTube channel. So we are, we are dabbling in. We're trying to. We're going to try and see how uh, consistent we can be with some video content because, um, yeah, why not? So, yes, um, let's see. Uh, he says that my son and I also started Zombie Teens Evolution. Very cool. And more polished than Zombie Kids. And moving on, Jeff. Uh, Jeff has played 20th Century. Hmm, I think him and Hans. Praga Kaput Regni. Trails of Tucana Cartographers. Yeah, that's a great flipping right game. Uh, Targi, one of the top two-player games. Broom Service. A little uh, Alexander Pfister game. Yeah, that's kind of a trick-taking uh, movement kind of. It's very cool if you like trick games. It's, it's the mechanism in this one. Uh, Coffee Traders, as I talked about. I got to play that game. Santorini. Yeah, well done. Taverns of Tiefenthal. I think I did it right. I've, I've, I haven't played that one. That sounds like fun. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Um, my, my articulation is coming along very well. Blackout Hong Kong, Alexander Pfister. I have that. Need to play it. Mansions of Madness. <laughs> that kind of sounds like my household. Um, uh, Tiny Towns and Chimera Station. Chimera Station is that really cool build-your-own-worker worker placement. And uh, yeah, that one, that one sounds really cool. Tim. Tim says he played some Wingspan, Just Desserts, Retro Lunacy, Splendor, Warhammer Underworlds, that is a very varied uh, 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 width, breadth of games that you played there. Awesome. Jason, 
Regular contributor Jason. Another week of no board games. No. No, everyone. Everyone. No. Maybe next week it'll be better. Eli says he played Scythe. I mean, you could play that all week and still have uh, different games. Uh, Justin, Praga Kaput Regni, 20th Century Triz. I'm getting a sense of a gamers group going on here. Hadrian's Wall, The Quest for Eldorado, and Divi Dice for this past week. Uh, I've not played Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> Dave jokingly says it's Excel Spreadsheet, the game, with a bit of theme thrown on. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, that still appeals to me. Garth picked up Dune Imperium at Dragon's Den sale this weekend. Yay! Dragon's Den is an awesome sponsor. Um, have been able to get a uh, three-person and a solo game in. Absolutely loving it. Yes, that is such a fun game. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, honestly, the solo engine on that game has... Uh, has some legitimacy, absolutely. Ian, Ian played, uh, did Steampunk Rally with seven. <laughs> wow, okay, that sounds like some, some, some chaos. Absolutely, under falling skies. Well, you're going from seven to solo, so that pendulum, that pendulum's swinging from left to right, pretty good. And uh, super skill pinball, four K solo. That's the that's that Jeff Engelstein um, rolling rolling right pinball game that I've heard so many cool things about. Um, last but not least, here we have Mike, and Mike uh, has got a little screenshot: Cartographers, Chimera Station, Dice Forge, Project L, Broom Service, the card game, Mansions of Madness, Blackout Hong Kong, Near and Far, and Parks. Those last two, near and far in parks, probably some of the most like spectacular, gorgeous artwork on on board games that uh, that's out there for a while. But yeah, what a great lineup! Great lineup of games. And uh, well, that takes us to the part of the episode where I'm so thankful to everyone that's listened to the the episode and uh, took the time to to hear what we have to say about the games that we've been playing and uh, the good and the not so... No, I'm joking. Uh, all the good. We're always talking about good things. And um, also, special thanks to the uh, content creators out there that regularly come on and uh, contribute to the, wis the cardboard wisdom we have to offer. And that being said... Keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?